Hey, what's up, guys? This is the Nick Tilly Audio Experience. Real shit, real talk, real value, brought to you in the convenience of a podcast. So, for the majority of my life, I was addicted to sugar. Not just like I liked it, not just like I had a sweet tooth, but addicted to it. And it wasn't until I really began understanding addiction and understanding the behaviors and beliefs and trauma and emotions associated with addiction that I really began to know that it was an addiction and how problematic it was. And through researching and identifying my own health problems, which aren't significant, I'm in great health, but I do have a lot of pain from inflammation. It is difficult for me to get out of bed, especially after really exerting myself, after playing basketball or playing soccer or even playing a lot of holes of golf. It was difficult for me to get out of bed. My body would be in constant pain. My back would be in pain. My neck would have problems. My hip would have problems. So in looking for solutions to that, I realized that the inflammation I was experiencing was a direct result of my diet and not as much about my exercise routine or how hard I was on my body. It was directly related to my diet. So I had this huge problem. Like I could kill... An entire box of donuts, like twelve do- uh, a dozen donuts, no problem. Like the bags of candy bars, like you get at Halloween, like a- an entire thing of Milky Ways, easy. An entire container of cookies, like double stuffed Oreos, um, the chewy Chips Ahoy, the red ones in the red box, those are so good. Or like a whole thing of Thin Mints, like two sleeves, whole box, no problem. Um, but for the majority of my life, it didn't matter because I didn't see any physical signs of this habit, this addiction, until I started seeing that or realizing that it was impacting my body. But I never put on weight. I had this like overly active metabolism. I was always super active, a great athlete. So I was able to eat all this crap and still maintain like 7 to 8% body fat, which is insane. But it also worked against me because I never had anything to awaken me or tell me that this was a problem. So it wasn't until I got older and I realized like the physical pain I was feeling, the drops in energy, um, including the problems that I was having with low blood sugar. So there were points in the day where I would actually feel almost faint. I would feel lightheaded. I'd feel kind of groggy, like I wasn't totally there. And I've come to realize now that that was hypoglycemia. Like I wasn't uh, regulating my blood sugar in a good way because I was consuming so much sugar. Uh, And I was leading my day off with these like simple carbohydrates, these simple sugars. And I wasn't able to maintain a healthy blood sugar throughout the day. So it was peaking and then it was dropping and I was feeling like crap. And I now realize, you know, that even like through the years when I was a teacher and I would consume, you know, donuts for breakfast and then I have sweets for a snack and sweets at lunch. And I was doing all these things all day, which I thought was helping me to get through the day. It was actually making me feel like crap, and I realize that now. So I decided that I needed to quit, and I've quit other times in the past. Like uh, There was an, a point probably four years ago where I did 100 days without sugar after watching some you know, documentaries on Netflix. I decided to give up sugar, and I was, I was successful at it. But with willpower, like you begin to reintroduce those things, or you lose willpower, and it's no longer effective, and you go back to the old old paradigm. You go back to the old habits, the old addiction. So I decided to quit this time because I really wanted to live my purpose fully, and I didn't want to give my power away. 
I wanted to be in control of how I felt and not outsource it to other things, not outsource it to sugar. That was one of the big breakthroughs for me was realizing that emotionally I was using sugar. I was using food in order to feel good, to escape, to have freedom for all those things. And being hypoglycemic, I realized that sugar was exacerbating. Like I had to eat every 90 minutes, like literally every 90 minutes because I was consuming all of these simple sugars, I couldn't sustain blood sugar levels. So I had to keep eating all the time. One, that's expensive, but two, it's super inconvenient to be eating all the time. Plus, if you if you go longer periods without that, say I'm in a class or I'm at a seminar or I'm giving a talk myself, I would have to be consuming food basically in the middle of all that or else I began to feel like crap. Uh, the inflammation in my body, the constant aches and pains, uh, it was all exacerbated like in training, but even like everyday tasks weren't easy for me to do because I would be in constant pain and I didn't want to feel the inflammation anymore. I was also really low energy at times during the day. I would suffer those huge dips, you know, that you get like around two or three in the afternoon and I would just eat more sugar or more caffeine and it really was not helping. Um, and it's definitely not productive if you're an entrepreneur or someone who, you know, the success of your business is dependent upon how productive you are. It's dependent upon your energy. So when you're having these drops, it's not a good thing for you. Uh, I, I wanted to also improve my gut health. I understand like that our health and everything regarding our intuition and, and things that, you know, we're now beginning to understand with science all originates from the gut. And going vegetarian now seven years ago is one of the best things I ever did. But sugar was still wreaking havoc on my gut. So it was something that had to go. Um, and then being on the path that I'm on or that I was on prior to giving sugar up, health problems were inevitable. Uh, despite how I feel or despite how I take care of myself in other areas, if you consume that much sugar, you're eventually going to have health problems because of it. And I didn't realize actually until two weeks after I started this process, would have been back in like late January, early February, um, I had my my blood done and I wasn't yet on the border of being pre-diabetic, but I was pretty close. So this was really important for me and it came at a time where I really needed to wake up and begin to prioritize my health, not just how I train, not just how I exercise, but how I put food into my body, how I nourish my body as well. And again, I just want to be in total alignment. I want to embody what I teach and it's hard to embody what you teach especially when you teach like self-care and generating your feelings, when you're giving your power away to sugar or a substance to feel how you want to feel. And I just really wanted to love myself, love my body, nourish my body, take great care of myself, and totally live on purpose. So this was something that I had to really dive into. And I think I did it at a great time when I had all the tools and understanding that I needed. And for everything that I didn't have, as far as the nutrition portion, I turned to my nutritionist. So keep an eye out for a later episode of this, or uh, your ear out for a later episode of this when I bring on my nutritionist to talk about the protocol that we used and the reasons why we did the things that we did. So why is sugar tough? Sugar is tough because it's mainstream. It's acceptable. It's like it's like alcohol, but it's more mainstream because you wouldn't. I mean, most of us wouldn't give alcohol to our kids. Um, but loving people will give you sugar and it has this reaction in the brain, just like cocaine. Um, but you know, your grandma wouldn't pressure you into like heroin, Coke, meth, maybe not even alcohol, but sugar. Absolutely. 
I mean, can you imagine your grandma baking you a fresh batch of meth? And, and when you come to visit her in the summer or you go to, to see her after school or sharing Coke with her that she has, you know, in, in her purse, like we do with like the butterscotch or little treats or whatever. Um, it's crazy, right? But understanding that sugar has many of the same effects on our body, it's crazy to see how socially acceptable it is. It's crazy to see how it's used in society. And I can look back at my childhood and see how it was used to celebrate, see how it was used as reward, see how it was commonplace and why I was conditioned the way I was. Not to say that anybody did anything wrong. Everybody did what they they did with like the best intentions or out of love. But it, it as we bring awareness to this and understand the impact of sugar, we really have to assess the way in which it's used, including the emotional purpose to it. So, like I said, I tried to manage it at different times in my life. Um, I went 100 days once. I felt great. Uh, all of the indications were there for me to continue that because there was a reward. I felt fantastic on it. But I eventually gave in. I gave back to my patterns. Uh, the emotional reasons why I re- was using it were still there. Those weren't healed. So I went back to it and just began binging uncontrollably. Like, I, when I say binging uncontrollably, like, I used to joke with people that, like, I would wake up in a, a gutter one day with, like, Twinkie wrappers laid around me because that's how significant it was. That's how bad it was. And I have no, I had no off button concerning it. Like, I would just go and I would consume everything I possibly could. So, what really switched for me was what I believe is uh, a part of the stimulus for any transformation that we make, and that is surrender. And not in like this like passive way of saying like I have no control, but I have no control over the things that I was trying to control. I have no control over the infinite. Um, and understanding like that I'm I'm powerless to a certain extent actually really empowered me it was empowering to know that the things that i was trying to control through using sugar were not controllable but letting go of those things i could then focus my attention to the things that i did have control over which is the way that i feel myself up the way that i generate how i feel every day and knowing that i don't have to outsource that to sugar or any other substance was really empowering for me Um, So I committed from this place, I committed to figuring it out and not like on a superficial level, not just like a diet or a pill or something that would work on a really deep and emotional cellular level. I committed to figuring this out so that I could win in this, so that I could beat sugar, so I could break up from sugar for good and be in total control of that. So how did I approach this? I approached this from like a completely holistic place. Like I wanted mindset, emotions. I wanted to understand addiction. I wanted to, um, you know, have all my nutrition in place so that I had everything I needed to be successful. So I treated this like an addiction. I didn't go to 12 step meetings, but I worked the 12 steps. If I had to do it over again, I actually would have gone to meetings and it's not something that I'm opposed to in the future. I think it's something that's really valuable to people who are dealing with food addiction is to go to meetings and get that support, get a sponsorship, have people around you who know and and understand what you're going through. Um, 
So that, that was really important for me to treat it like an addiction and see where I was using it emotionally and what parts of me needed to be healed so that I wasn't turning to that and what I could do proactively to meet and fulfill those needs in myself in a healthy way rather than turning to sugar. Uh, I also had to look at how I was justifying it or who was enabling it in my life and be really prepared to set whatever boundaries I needed. Uh, I couldn't just at that point just manage it and say like, you know, I can have a little bit here. I, I really had to get control of it. So I couldn't rely on my level of willpower and discipline at the time because willpower is not infinite. Willpower is something that, that we have, but when it gets spread out, in different areas, or one quadrant of your life requires it more than other, it will take away the willpower that you have for maybe your diet or an exercise routine or quitting sugar, quitting alcohol, all those things. And then you go right back to what gets your emotional needs met if you haven't been proactive in managing that. So I couldn't rely just on willpower. Um, and I also couldn't just use counting my macronutrients or flexible dieting or if it fits your macros as an excuse to eat shitty food. I think there is amazing value to those types of nutrition programming, but they can be abused. And when you're not getting enough nourishment and you're making a, uh, a too, too large of a proportion of what you consume is the crappy foods, it doesn't have a good effect on your body. So I had to reject that it was okay to do it during this time. But it is something that I believe in working toward and having control over and being able to indulge in and you know eat treats every once in a while. I just couldn't make it uh, an option beginning because I really had to get in control of this. So the big thing for me and the big thing that I want to talk about today is doing the emotional work of understanding what parts of me needed to be healed so that I could really be back in control so that I could have the power in this situation. So I had to ask, like, how am I using sugar emotionally? Am I avoiding things? Am I avoiding feelings? Um, am I relying on sugar to generate feelings for me? And I came up with a lot through doing this emotional work. And this is something that if you are interested in working with a coach and not just a nutrition coach, but like a life coach or a counselor or a therapist to understanding this is really powerful and important. So for me, some of the things I realized was, number one, the easiest and most immediate means that I had available to me and I had used over the years to you know, avoid feelings of like sadness, guilt, um, anxiety, uh, even depression, it, it was to medicate with sugar. And this is something that I learned at a young age as a means of escaping. Um, and the pattern persisted because of the perception that it continued to serve me. It was like that old friend, my old buddy, who could help me feel the way I wanted him to feel, who could help me escape. And I've used this my entire life up until recently. The next thing was connection. So sugar actually allowed me to feel connected to something. And we understand now in studying addiction that addiction is all about connection. It's all about bonding. And when we want to feel connected to something, we can do it in healthy ways. We can generate the connection for ourselves, or we can use addiction as a replacement for that connection and bonding. And if we don't have that connection or bonding in healthy ways, we reach for the addictive substances. Another emotional kind of breakthrough and understanding for me was that freedom was a huge driving factor in the way that I used 
sugar because sugar gave me a sense of freedom and control. And I realized that I relied most on sugar when I perceived that my freedom was cut off. So I ate tons of sugar back when I worked a job because I feel like I was giving, or I felt like I was giving my, my, my power away and my freedom away all the time. So I would escape through sugar. Um, and I, I realized that, you know, it had an impact even on my relationships. So when I was in a relationship where as a masculine being, I felt like my sugar, or my, my freedom was taken away. I would use sugar as a way of masking that feeling and getting that sense of freedom back. The next emotion I realized, and this shouldn't be, be hard to identify for most people, is that sugar made me happy. We know sugar impacts our, our pleasure receptors, and it initiates the release of happiness hormones. It makes us feel fucking good. That's why we want it. That's why we keep going back for it. We don't want to feel bad. We want to feel good. So in the sense that it makes us feel happy, it's obviously something that's addicting and something that we use for our happiness. But I wanted to be in control. I wanted to generate my happiness, not consume it. And that was a driving factor once I realized that in in my motivation and drive and desire to figure this shit out. Uh, another area is rewarding myself, emotionally rewarding myself. I realized sugar had always been used as a reward for me. And I had continued that pattern to reward myself with it. Any achievement that I had in adulthood, it was celebrated not with 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 alcohol not with drugs it was always celebrated with some sort of treat with sugar and realizing that i couldn't continue to reward myself i had to find a better reward for my achievements and better rewards for just being me and filling myself up with the feelings that i wanted to feel so i also used sugar as a way to chill which is really connected to freedom and escape but when I wanted to de-stress, when I wanted to relax and chill, I would medicate with sugar. It gave me that pleasure boost. It distracted me from what I, I actually needed to feel at the time or the reasons why like, uh, I was having pain or anything like that. But it helped me to just kind of numb out, to go into this like, vegetative state and realizing that like, I don't want to be in that state. So kicking it was more, more important than ever once I realized that. I also realized that love was a driving factor behind the way I consume sugar. Uh, that's how love is communicated. That's how grandma communicates love. She bakes you something. She buys you cookies. She buys you ice cream. And again, the feelings with, with sugar and chocolate, for that matter, um, mimic the feelings of love, those receptors, those, those, those pleasure hormones. Um, I realized that I wasn't needing to bring myself love, which is is part of my purpose in life, part of the reason why I was here, because I could just use sugar to do it. So I didn't have to do the hard work. I could just consume it. And that is obviously a problem. I also realized that sugar, for me, and probably for a lot of us, it fixes things. So all things are resolvable with treats. So when you need to brush something in the rug, you have conflict, or you want to you know, make up with somebody, rather than actually like dealing with the problems of having tough conversations of allowing for conflict to be there and find the blessing or find the lesson in it. Like you just go and grab a cookie dough blizzard from uh, dairy queen and everything would be cool. Everything would be kosher and in, in living a really healthy life that just isn't a, a healthy tactic. So the strategies that I used were 
really holistic. In addition to like understanding everything, the approach that I took was like a completely holistic approach. So I really prepared myself. I got everything in place. I set myself up to win, uh, both from an emotional standpoint and a physical like nutrition standpoint, which like I said, I'll talk about at a later time. Um, I really focused on generating feelings from myself as like the foundation of everything. So all those, those feelings that I needed from sugar, I looked at ways in which I could generate those feelings from myself. And we know I've talked about this before on the, on the podcast is that the, the feelings and emotions that we're meant to create for ourselves to experience and then to share with other people, that's our purpose. So for me to be giving my purpose away to sugar, that's not fucking cool. So I had to take that back and begin to be in control of how I generated those feelings for myself. So in addition, uh, inspiration and motivation, I know what works for me. Uh, For me, I had to see sugar from the perspective of a toxic or a poison. And I realized that I was, and I envisioned this, that I was putting a toxin in my body and poisoning myself. And with my desire to be pure, with my desire to have a pure body, I couldn't do that anymore. So I literally like almost tricked myself into into believing that putting sugar in my body was like consuming bleach or Roundup. So that was really important for me. That visualization was really helpful. And from a visualization standpoint, I also got really clear on how I wanted to feel in terms of feeling clean, feeling pure, feeling like all systems in my body were running. Uh, being alkaline was a huge like visualization piece for me. I trusted myself to know also when I was ready. Uh, I basically like allowed myself to binge just before this because I know, and I don't recommend this for, mo- for most people, but I know when I feel disgusted by what I'm consuming that that's enough to get me kick-started. So I actually like binged right before it. Um, like I said, I don't recommend it. And I didn't use shame, but I used like the physical component of how it was making me feel. So like when you do anything in excess, like it doesn't make you feel good anymore. It makes you feel like crap. So I used that and I kind of, you could say is OD'd on it. I don't recommend this, like I said, for alcohol or drugs or anything that will actually kill you. But I I consumed so much of it that I was disgusted and that gave me a nice bump, nice kickstart to be able to like dive into this. And then I started midweek. So the moment I felt ready, the moment I felt like that stimulus was there, like that desire for change was there, I started. So I didn't start like on a Monday. I didn't wait until after the weekend. I actually started in the middle of the week. It was like a Wednesday or a Thursday. And I dove right into it. And I I killed it from that moment forward. Uh, I also declared what I was doing. I told everybody around me. uh, I made plans of what my intention was. I mentioned on social media. I was very, very specific about what I was doing and why I was doing it. Um, and even like, you know, telling people to help be prepared, that that was really important for me as well. Knowing and understanding that the first few days may be difficult. I took the right precautions for that. Um, and, and as I connected to the nutrition piece, I took in all components of what I needed to nourish my body so that I could help curve those cravings. So I also took like a, a, a three tiered approach to this situation. And I had this like emergency plan in place. So the first tier of this, this is the biggest one. That's just awareness and check-ins. That's asking myself, you know, constantly, what am I doing? What am I feeling? What's missing in my life? What do I really need? 
Do I just need to sit with some emotions right now? Um, how can I give myself what I need in a healthy way? So if some emotions are missing in my life or I need freedom, I need escape, how can I do that in a he healthy way? I would also ask, like, is this a biochemical thing? Like, do I need to nourish my body with something? So having the guidance of a good nutritionist in this, this process was really helpful because sometimes when you're craving certain foods, it's because like, maybe your magnesium is deficient or another, you know, uh, micronutrient in your body is deficient and you just need that. And sometimes you just need more, more water. Uh, getting more fats and more proteins was integral to me being able to, it was so essential for me to be able to, to do this was really upping my fats and proteins. And then I didn't crave the sugar as much. I felt satiated. I felt, uh, like I was nourishing myself well. Um, and then connecting that with meditation and purpose and my vision for what I was doing, all of that really helped. All of that took care of the majority of like the cravings and problems I had. So beyond that, though, like you're going to have these small moments where the cravings and, you know, the old patterns come up. So the second tier to this was distraction. I asked myself, like, what can I do to distract me as this as like a preventative measure if I was feeling weak or if I was feeling like I needed extra support? So I would engage with my kids. I would channel my energy into my work. Uh, I would use the opportunity to serve and impact others. I would allow myself to be vulnerable and either ask for help or express what I was going through. Um, and I, I also, in terms of a distraction, like I would have good foods to use in replacement. And even things like, you know, I'd brush my teeth or chew gum or things like that. All of those were good distraction methods for the, those moments that come up. And, and those came up maybe once a day, um, but I worked through them really well and it was really successful. But then I had a plan. This is the third tier of it. This is the code red. This is the plan that I had in place for those moments where I was just overwhelmed with the desire, where I couldn't kick the cravings, where distraction didn't work, where serving people didn't work, where playing with the kids didn't work, and I couldn't just get my mind off of it. So my code red, my like hit the button, call for the backup, get everybody in, was to completely change my environment. Um completely change my environment, get out of the house, get out of the car if I was driving and I was feeling that craving. Um, so I would literally leave the environment to disrupt the pattern. I would go to the gym. I would go for a run. Uh, I would do anything that I needed to do in order to break the pattern in the moment to change that situation and to make sure that I was was supporting myself with everything I needed. I only needed to use this a few times. There's a couple uh, instances in, in the evening after dinner where I couldn't kick it. So I went for a run. But just after going for a run or just like in the middle of the run, like the craving went away and I was good. So there's no problem after that. Um, another thing that I did in preparation was like, I was like, okay, what, what, what preparations do I need to take around me? Do I need to tell people, like warn people, like don't give me this shit? Like I even thought about like going down to Bosa or Rainbow Donuts and, and letting them know, you know, hey, I'm doing this. Don't sell to me under any circumstances. Like put my, post my picture up everywhere. Let people know that, you know, it's not, it's not cool to sell me this stuff. And the LGO is this market right by our house. And they have these amazing, like uh, they're called old fashioned, but they're like basically hostess cupcakes, gourmet hostess cupcakes that weigh like two pounds. Um, so yeah, I thought about telling them the same, like do not sell to me under any circumstances. Didn't need to go that far, but it's something to consider, um, including, you know, telling people around that you're doing this. So they're not trying to push things on you. 
you want to know who is supportive of you. One of the things that was really difficult for me to do when I was working was we would do this. I, I would try to do this. And then, you know, Friday comes along and there's dozens of donuts in the, the copy room or in the, the break room, um, which made it really difficult. So taking every precaution that you need to is so important. And whether that is an addiction to sugar or, you know, more serious addictions to drugs or alcohol, like you really have to be proactive and understand, like if it's in the house, if it's around you, if you're exposed to it, then you're going to have to rely on willpower, which makes it really difficult. And you want to get to a point where you can manage regardless of what's around. But sometimes you just need to eliminate those temptations early on so you can get to a point point of, of strength and power where you can manage that stuff. So another thing I did was I got really radical on my self-care. I'm pretty good about my self-care. It's something that I teach and I try to embody myself, but I really went all in on it. Um, I knew that if I was going to do this for real, I had to be all in on my well-being, on my self-care, my self-love. So I really doubled down on all my rituals during this time. Uh, I also prepared myself mentally to feel like shit for a couple of days. There is that that period when you cut this junk out of your life that your body is still craving it, and it can feel like you have the flu. So, like my wife was supportive. I told her, "It's like, listen, um, if I feel like crap for the next couple of days, like I'm just going to go to bed. I'm not going to try to like force myself through it. I'm going to let listen to my body. I'm going to give myself the rest that I need." And she was supportive of it. Uh, I went through like two days. I think it was like day two and day three where I felt like crap. And then after that, I was good. After that, I felt great. And I literally felt the best I've ever felt in my body uh, after like a week on because I was just nourishing my body with good food and I was totally filling myself up. So I was also like in this emotionally um, wealthy place because I was filling myself up and I was nourishing my body really well. I prioritized rest. Also, uh, you know, when, when we make bad decisions, it's so often because we're not well rested, because we're not functioning uh, from a place of being rested. So I really prioritized my sleep. I set boundaries around my evening schedule and electronics and things like that. And I allowed myself to get rest. And that was really good. That was really positive for me. I can look back and see how, you know, on days where I was tired or I hadn't got enough sleep, or maybe when I went out the night before, I stayed up way too late doing whatever, I would be more likely to binge. I would be more likely to feel, feel myself with sugar all day. So it was really important for me to make sure that I prioritize rest, I set good boundaries, and I'm, I got plenty uh, of rest and relaxation. And I was coming from a place of feeling energized and supported. I also gave myself permission to fail because when I made the commitment, I said I will not sabotage myself because of perfection. I will not sabotage myself and in this just because I make a mistake. I don't have to be perfect in this. And that was like an act of love and compassion and empathy by saying you don't have to be perfect with this. If you fuck it up, you fuck it up. It's okay. You're still going to accept yourself. You're going to acknowledge it. You're going to maybe even announce that you fell off the train for, you know, one minute or one day or whatever, but I wasn't going to require myself to be perfect. And then I was going to recommit. And, you know, there, there were, you know, a couple weak moments, but not having that expectation of perfection was like this enormous burden off of my shoulders. And it helped so much through the process. Um, and like I said, I won't go too much into to actual nutrition and diet stuff, but, I 
definitely deferred to my nutritionist on a lot of things. And the information that she gave me was amazing in terms of being able to, um, you know, nourish my body well so that the, the, the uh, deficiencies I was having from not nourishing myself didn't cause me to want to, um, you know, consume sugar or to binge or to do all those things. So that was a huge, huge component of being successful in this. So the impact of all of this, the impact now, you know, really four or five months later is that I have better energy. I, within two weeks, I noticed less inflammation in my body, less physical pain. I slept better. Uh, I was able to perform better in sports. I was able to perform better in the gym. I could get out of bed without, you know, making the moaning sounds and, and needing help getting pushed up. I had better gut health. Uh, I just felt good. I had good mental clarity. This is along the time where I really turned toward my intuition in making decisions in my life. And I really believe that having good gut health where the intuition is kind of generated was really powerful in, in terms of that. Like I said, more mental clarity, more productive, more energy, more powerful in the way I was able to show up in my business, show up in my purpose, show up for my family, and then show up in the way that I, I serve other people. I felt more connected and more guided than I ever had. I felt more in control of myself and the certainty that I generate. I felt more focused. Um, and what this did was it opened up a lot of the shit that I needed to heal, the shit that I needed to work with that came up in the process. So in the moments when I was like struggling, when I was wanting to consume sugar, I would ask myself, like, what, what is it that I'm feeling right now? And, you know, you'd hear that. I hear that voice that would say, if I could just have sugar, I'd be happy. Or if I could just be, have sugar right now, I would relax. So I would dive into that and I would ask myself where that comes from or where that, that pattern originates. Um, what's the beliefs under there? What, do, what needs healing so that I can generate these things for myself, which was amazing. Um, this, like I said, it's actually turned out to be great timing because I got blood work back that I was close to pre-diabetic. But my wife also got blood work back at the same time that indicated that she was pre-diabetic. And the cool thing was that she had already committed to letting go of sugar and was like a week in the process when she got the results. But emotionally, it was enough of like a shock to the system that she really committed to it as well. And I'm happy to report that three months after getting that news, she was able to reverse her prediabetes. She was no longer borderline, and she did it completely through diet, which is amazing. And again, she worked with the, uh, our nutritionist also to be able to kick that. So we'll have more information about how that, in, that happened or how that worked out. And then, like I said about going all in on my self-care, my self-care and my self-love improved. And it was, it was stronger, it was more effective, it was more efficient than it ever been in my entire life, which is an amazing impact of this, this whole process. Um, and this, this isn't over by any means. Like This is something that I'll continue to live with my entire life. I, I don't think once you have addictions like this that you ever completely kick them. Like You're always in recovery, but that's okay once you know and accept that. And you understand that you can relapse. You understand that if you aren't conscious, if you aren't aware, like you can fall back into the same patterns. But the more emotional work, the more belief work, the more energy work that you do, the less likely it is that you're going to fall back into that. And if I do, it's just a reminder that I need to you know, gather myself, hit the reset button, go all in on my self-care, uh, get back to the things that are working, and, and and do what I know I'm capable of doing. Because if I've done this once, 
I can do this at any point, but I don't plan on ever going back. I don't plan on ever relapsing to the point where I need to come from this place again because it feels too good to be on the other side of that. So I'm incredibly grateful for this like entire experience and the process. I'm so happy and so blessed to be able to share it with you. It's been amazingly like healing and enlightening for me. And for me, it was an even greater event because it, it, it provided me with so many resources to be able to now serve and get back and guide like I'm doing in this podcast those people who want help, who need help, um, who want more effective solutions to being able to overcome any type of addiction. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out the audio experience. If you enjoyed it, if you loved it, it would mean the world to me if you would go over right now and hit that subscribe button. If you want to find out more information about my coaching, please go to www.nictilia.com or you can find me on any social media at Nictilia. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Bye.